A reminder to our insurance brokers that this podcast is eligible for half a CPD point from Neva. Stay tuned until the end of the episode for details on where you can go to generate your CPD certificate. Hi and welcome to NTI Spotlight, the show that shines a spotlight on the transport, construction, marine and cargo industries and of course the people who power them. Today we're going to be talking about infrastructure projects. Of course Australia uh, has a strong history of investment in infrastructure projects and we know that they create economic growth, jobs, they drive demand for materials and services and of course contribute to our economy. Uh, Many in the media are saying at the moment that Australia is entering an urban and civil infrastructure boom. We have a massive pipeline of projects across the nation um, and many are looking forward to years of productive work to come. So what's the outlook with all of these infrastructure projects going on across the country? What does it mean for the mobile plant and equipment space and how is NTI embracing the opportunities and challenges to help our customers and broker partners in making sure that we support this critical industry. So let's jump right into it. Um, The infrastructure project environment in Australia. Gary, I'll go to you first. Uh, What are we seeing in this space? What projects are happening? How are they funded? What's what's going on in industry? Thanks, Luke. Um, As you alluded to um, uh, earlier, infrastructure development has always been crucial for our economic growth and prosperity uh, nationally, state and local regional levels. Uh, You know, the Australian economy, whilst it has its challenges uh, for the civil construction industry, we we have a very optimistic view for the future uh, outlook over the next five years. Uh, We've seen a lot of state and national government stimulus spending um, brought forward in response to the COVID pandemic. Uh, We're also seeing a lot of population growth as well. So that's another major driver for um, uh, the increased spend that we're seeing with um, infrastructure. So with those those kinds of factors in play, what types of projects are we seeing, Gary? So in terms of types of uh, projects, uh, well, the key areas, I guess, uh, transport infrastructure, that's, that's, that's a classic one. Uh, obviously, Australia's vast size, you know, um, it requires well-connected uh, transportation network. And uh, that transport infrastructure is, is, is a major focus. Um, another key area, and this gets a, receives a lot of media attention, is in the in the area of uh, energy infrastructure. Uh, Australia, we have an abundance of uh, renewable energy resources, sources such as uh, solar and wind, and this provides lots of opportunities for infrastructure projects in that renewable energy sector. So, as we know, the government has a net zero target by 2050, and there's a, this massive focus on renewable energy. Uh, to take advantage of our wind and solar power resources. And what comes with that is a large investments towards the grid infrastructure to support this transition to cleaner energy sources. Then you look at some of the other areas, you have your water and sewerage. Uh, yeah, Australia, we've got our challenges uh, with water scarcity and drought. Um, so there's a lot of infrastructure projects around water storage, distribution and, uh, and treatment that can help address some of these challenges. And, and so what kind of plant and equipment, you know, for our, our, our 
broker partners who are listening, what kinds of equipment are involved in those kinds of projects? Is it a, a little bit of everything or is there highly specialised equipment? Okay, well, it depends on the nature of the, the contract um, that's involved. So uh, uh, a lot of it is what you you would expect, you know, with earth-moving mobile plant equipment, uh, excavators, uh, you know, if you're talking sewage and drain, drainage, uh, yeah, you could have, you know, directional drilling machines, uh, excavators, graders. Uh, if you're talking subdivisional work, you, you have scrapers. Uh, the list is quite endless, actually, um, in terms of the types of equipment that's involved, uh, particularly when you're talking road infrastructure as well, uh, the specialised equipment that gets used particularly that as well. So that sounds like good news for for anyone who operates equipment. There's so much going on for them to be able to get involved in in projects at the moment. But call me cynical, but there needs to be some kind of negative to this. Are we still seeing anything hanging over from from COVID? Are we still seeing supply chain issues? I might throw to you, David. Yes, thanks, Luke. Um, The negatives that we are seeing are, are definitely supply chain issues disruptions from the COVID period. Um, During the COVID period, we did see um, supply chain disruptions that were really affecting basically the construction industry where to hire or not to to buy a new piece of, um, say, let's let's say just a small excavator or a bobcat, the turnaround time for these items from Japan, America or, or Europe was at least two years. So this was putting enormous pressure on the used equipment market. So what we were seeing in the interim was the used equipment market, um, we were seeing appreciation of the actual machines coming through. So where we couldn't buy new machines, people were selling machines for, for record prices. And this, and this hangover, I've got to call it a hangover, it is, it's still with us now where we're seeing a, a huge amount of appreciation on, on older equipment. Um, whilst the supply chain is improving, you know, we, we, we're getting back down to levels of six to eight months now, which is which was what we expected pre-COVID. Um, we are still seeing these issues with appreciation of a, a lot of the um, existing used equipment that's out there at the moment. And so because of that issue, are we seeing uh, equipment being used for longer? Is it having a longer use life? Yeah, look... Um, the, the increased demand for the equipment, you know, it's it's really putting a high um, utilisation on the existing equipment, I'd say. So basically the MPE is, is, or the mobile plant and equipment is working harder, but it's also working longer hours. Um, whilst this is a great positive for the, for the owners of the equipment and, and also the rental companies that are hiring a lot of this equipment into, into the contractors, it also can lead to a lot of excessive wear and I don't know, wear and tear on the machinery, um, making maintenance issues and the maintenance regimes really um, hard to adhere to for a lot of these contractors that are coming out there. And what we've got to remember is that during during the COVID period, we had a we had a, a, sh- a shortage of fly in and fly out workers and uh, working visa. Uh, overseas working visa guys coming across because of the border restrictions. So what was happening back then was a lot of our local contractors, and this is in each state, were actually looking for local employees that they could hire. So to to attract these these um, local employees, the pay rate actually skyrocketed up. So I think it was thirty forty percent of what the base rate was. Wow. So what we're seeing now is 
the issue to maintain this this equipment is is actually costing far more than it used to cost, which is also reflecting in fuel pricing. As we all know, fuel prices have gone through the roof. Um, inflation rates have gone through the roof, which is another effect on to parts pricing and maintenance costs. So when when we're talking about maintenance costs these days, it's not like, okay, we're going to go and grease the machine. It's going to cost us, you know, $50 to do the machine all over. It's now going to cost an average an average contractor $100, which is then put onto their contract rates, which is actually influencing the whole market. And this is just not insurance. This is right across the boards. Yeah, I think uh, David's uh, absolutely hit the nail on the head there. Um, so so what we're saying is just that high utilisation rate, um, the machines are working harder, they're working longer. Uh, so that maintenance regime uh, becomes really, really critical. Um, Another thing we saw as well was um, the shortage um, and unavailability of equipment, uh, the need to hire in equipment to uh, satisfy contract needs was increasing as well. So the plant hire industry has uh, certainly seen um, some uh, significant growth as well. So uh, so we're seeing a, whole, seeing a whole lot of that going on as well. Um, and that, that's, that's set to continue. Um, and and what does that mean if we if we're seeing more hiring of equipment uh, to help with infrastructure projects? What does that mean from an insurance perspective, um, Gary? So from a from an insurance perspective, um, uh, with uh, when the client looks at their um, insurance program, obviously they'll be working with their insurance broker who is their professional risk advisor. So they'll they'll do proper assessments uh, of the client's risks and um, design. The appropriate program. So where we can sort support that is um, obviously with our mobile plant uh, product being yellow cover. Uh, Hide in plant is a an extension that's available under under the policy as well. So we can actually tailor that to suit what the client needs. So it, it can give give them that um, blanket coverage, and that will remove the stresses involved with having to remember to advise insurer each time to hire in a piece of plant. On the other side, uh, with plant. Um, plant hire uh, companies as well. Uh, important element from where they sit is the uh, the hire agreement they put out uh, for their customers as well, just to make sure that uh, uh, we're not uh, uh, being overly onerous, I guess, in terms of the terms and conditions of those hire agreements, particularly if they're putting out damage waivers out there as well. And can, converse if a uh, client's hiring in a piece of equipment, uh, they just need to really understand what it is they're signing on to in relation to those agreements, particularly damage waivers. Some of those can be uh, poorly worded and difficult to understand and, and quite onerous in um, application as well. So, uh, uh, But uh, from uh, an insurance perspective also, um, yeah, NTI, we, we, uh, we can accommodate uh, a dry hire arrangement or dry hire damage waiver type uh, arrangements. So important notes. for for businesses to to talk to their broker. Absolutely, and uh, also their lawyers very important as well. If uh, they uh, they have a hire agreement, or they're, they're planning to uh, hire out equipment to to make sure they're getting that proper legal input from a lawyer who's experienced in the mobile plant hire industry. There's money well spent. So with all of these national infrastructure projects kicking off or, or infrastructure projects kicking off all mm-hmm. over the country. Um, what trends are we seeing 
Um, what are what are some of the the major projects that are that are starting to kick off? Gary, I'll start with you. Um, what are we seeing? Okay, so it's it, it's it's been quite interesting actually. Um, I guess uh, prior to COVID, uh, the civil construction activity was clearly trending down, right down to about. 2019, 2020, and then of course uh, the COVID kicked in, well the pandemic kicked in about March 2020, and since then we've just been seeing this massive uh, growth phase, uh, which is set to continue right through to about 27, 28, uh, before it starts to fall away, and even then it will be well above uh, the pre-COVID levels. So we're we're seeing this uh, growth across all the sectors of the civil construction. So that's your utilities, your roads, your bridges, your railways, your harbours, sewage drains right across the board, um, even in the mining mining sector, you know, uh, with global demand for uh, for, for minerals, uh, the mining sector as well is, is set to boom. So that, that's going to trigger um, mining infrastructure spend as well. So it's just not all public, um, it's uh, uh, private as well. So that, that goes through the, the whole economy. And as I said earlier, a, a big thing that's driving this is uh, the population growth. Um, now we're sitting at 26.5 million people and this is forecast hit 33.1 million by 2041. So that's an 18 years time, an extra 7 million people in Australia. Uh, that's roughly the, the population of Victoria. So you sit back, just think about that for a moment. Uh, they all have to live somewhere. They need to move around. They need access to our institutions. Uh, it goes on and on and on. So the, the civil uh, construction industry needs to keep pace with that, and that's going to take a lot of planning and prioritising from um, the government. And uh, Infrastructure Australia gives them advice in, in, in that area. Mm, so so very important projects that, that we all need to get behind and support by the sounds. Uh, David, what are you seeing in terms of, in terms of trends? And trends look basically as Gary was saying there, in, infrastructure is and will continue to grow rapidly over the next five, six, seven years. Um, looking from a, a national perspective, like Gary just did mention about the national infrastructure programs, you know, you can go to their websites, you can see what's actually going on from a state view. Um, and then we've also got to understand that each state then sets its own infrastructure programs as well. So you've got state governments, you've got local governments, you've got your national. Um, you've also got involved there is your private sectors as well. So you've got your private enterprises doing their, their side of infrastructure. And a lot of the private private sectors are looking at urban infrastructure. So we're looking at um, community support, hospitals, shopping centres, schools, all those, all those infrastructure requirements that we do need for growth. So we're seeing a lot of that development. Now, to support that, you also need your transport infrastructure. Um, and transport infrastructure basically comes under an, a national umbrella. Um, and as you know, that as Australia expands, we do need that requirement to upgrade roads. And this is not just upgrading, you know, re-bitchment, bitumening roads, it means about building new roads and, and bigger infrastructures to accommodate for the, for, for the population as, as we move forward. Um, from, a, from a New South Wales perspective, um, we're looking at a, a population growth here over the next, say, 10, 15 years of 22%. Um, 
and over the next five years, I'm pretty sure that the the combined federal, state, and private infrastructure investment is upwards of about 140 billion dollars. Um, and this is look, this is critical for infrastructure for the future, and this and this is what it's all about. Sydney, we've got the Sydney Metro expansion, and that involves um, investment heavily into the metro network for trains, um, also the southwest and southeast. Um, rail lines um, also includes highways and, and major infrastructures like the Western Sydney Airport that's um, due to be open in the next couple of years and also regional upgrades for, for investments like rail infrastructures and improvement improved connectivity between Sydney and all the regional areas now and I do know that these rail or regional rail upgrades are being performed in each state. So you've got Victoria doing the same thing. You've got Queensland, you've got South Australia, and you've got um, the big metro Metronet activities going on at Perth at the moment. So every 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 federal and, and local government is actually contributing to this increase in, in infrastructure right across the boards. You know, and we haven't even touched on the Olympics in, in Queensland that, that's going to create millions of construction jobs up there, millions of dollars worth of construction works up there. Yeah. I think also um, um, there's a couple of good national um, examples that uh, personally has captured my imagination. As, as I see, these can open up the country to some further fantastic opportunities. Um, um, so this is at the risk of offending other projects. They're all equally exciting, aren't they? But uh, over to you, here's the, here's the hot list from Gary. <laughs> You know, the first one is uh, the Melbourne to Brisbane inland rail. You know, this is just a massive infrastructure undertaking that will connect Melbourne and Brisbane via regional Victoria, New South Wales and Queensland. So that's going to be 1,700 kilometres of rail. Um, and, of course, the areas, the country areas that it goes through, that's going to bring all sorts of um, uh, significant benefits, you know, for those businesses and uh, any manufacturing out there and, of course, producers to um, to get the goods to the national and global markets. So uh, that just helps um, boost local uh, economic growth as well. So that's anticipated to be completed in 2027. And as uh, David was saying, it's a great example of a partnership between the Australian government to the Australian Rail Track Corporation, and they're in partnership with private sector, and that, that's about a fourteen and a half billion dollar contract. So uh, that's really exciting. Uh, and the second one, uh, which I'm really excited about as well, is one called the Outback Way, and that's estimated to complete in about 2030. And the Outback Way is 2,720 kilometres of road road that will connect Laverton in Western Australia to Winton in Queensland via Alice Springs in, in the Northern Territory. So this will be completely sealed. So that is going to be quite exciting. Uh, and that will just create a whole new strategic transport and tourism route uh, between Western Australia and, and the East Coast. So, um, and of course that will open up the whole central of um, Australia. So it will provide that access to Aboriginal uh, communities and, uh, and giving them better access to health and other services. And, of course, it can open up uh, rich mineral deposits east of Laverton as well. So that's another uh, exciting uh, uh, contract or project. Absolutely. Two enormous projects. I was going to say, and this is just scratching the surface. You know, we've got renewable energies and, and resources also into this infrastructure world as well. So we've got that many uh, renewable resource developments uh, 
uh, solar farms, wind farms, um, hydro electricity upgrades that they're actually going across Australia at the moment just to accommodate for the fossil fuel moving out and, and these new um, resourceable energies coming in. So there's a lot of work out there for the next couple of years. And, you know, from from a broker perspective, you know, they, they've got a lot of clients that are involved. And they, even if they're the mums and dads clients at the moment, these mums and dads clients are going to become, you know, the, the guys that are going to be buying out companies in a couple of years as they expand. So there's a huge market for everybody in this at the moment. So that, that's a really good point. David, there's there's so much happening. Um, I guess my mind goes to what are the the key challenges and considerations for for our broker partners who are listening and their customers who might be listening as well. What does everyone need to be aware of? What are those considerations and challenges that are going to help people in this boom period? The challenges that we're seeing. Look, oh, to be on, to be on a positive. Look, we know that things are going to grow rapidly over the next five to ten years. Um, and we're actually seeing customers now, our, our larger customers actually gearing up and purchasing additional items of plant now for this influx. So that, that's something that we are seeing. You know, we, we can look at our, 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 our large customers and, and see their schedules actually, you know, not doubling, but 10%, 20%, 30% every year and increasing because of all these, these new developments that are coming up. And this is particularly across the civil contractor and construction industries. So anybody that, that that's in the earth-moving game is picking up on this. And that, and that can be like, I think Gary touched on it before, from your road con to your, to your sewer and waste guys. It's right across the board. Um, Exciting times for for brokers to get out there. There, there. there is going to be a lot of a lot of customers out there looking for support um, and the expertise that 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 we, that we can give them. Um, but it's also a time where we've really got to understand that what we're insuring or, or what what the business out there really requires. So tailoring policies to our customers' needs is, is probably something that, that is probably far more far more important than just getting, you know, items on a schedule at the moment. And I think another key thing, of course, is, um, you know, every business has its has its niche, so it needs to make its own decisions in terms of uh, what the opportunity is out there. But, of course, a critical thing uh, is identifying those areas of risk that they'll, they'll encounter along the way. And... Uh, it's a critical component of what they do. And this is obviously where their insurance broker and their legal representatives can, can help them navigate their way through that uh, because the, the, the opportunity and influx of uh, or the pipeline of work that's available to them is, uh, is quite significant. So they need to be able to respond to that. But also, uh, I'll throw the baby out of the bathwater as, as it were, like lose control of their, their risk management processes, which is just so, so important. Uh, to control all of that. And of course, NTI has support available to customers through our risk engineers program as well, don't we? We, we certainly have. We've got it. We've got it. We, we're starting to develop a, a dedicated team of risk engineers um, at the moment, which actually go out to site and and, and help identify um, issues that, that, that can you know, perceivably be. Um, Events in the near future, so they'll go out to site. They'll look at they'll look at um, things like fire, fire controls, um, site prevention, um, 
even the culture of the, of the business. You know, we, we've got programs in place that we can actually support business from a culture perspective, which is, you know, exciting times moving forward for, for businesses that do need assistance, you know, with, with, with all these issues. You know, we, we've seen a lot of companies, as, as I mentioned before, are merging together. So once you've got one culture and, and merging with another culture, you know, that you're really going to need some sort of risk management or, or some sort of design that can actually blend the cultures in, in into a new culture that's going to succeed. Yeah, perfect. And, and of course, if any... Uh, any broker or, or customer listening uh, would like to get access to that, they can, of course, reach out to their local NTI representative. Yeah, look, um, all our SDSs and, and, and DSs are there t- to assist to assist the, the intermediary network and their customers. So, look, just holler out. Look, we we like we like to help our intermediaries by helping their customers. You know, if, if we can help our intermediaries help their customers, it makes the intermediaries look really good to their customers. So that that's something we do pride ourselves on. I'm going to throw uh, to you first, Gary, but we've, we've spoken a lot uh, in this episode about uh, the projects that are going on and, and how we're in a boom for infrastructure. Um, for our broker partners who are listening, what's the one thing in your mind that they need to be aware of as we go through this boom? Well, I guess... As clients grow, I keep coming back to risk management. So uh, really getting on board with um, understanding, having a great understanding of uh, their the customer's business, really get, in, really get in there, uh, do a thorough review and assessment of uh, the risks and, uh, and support that client with a, with a quite a robust uh, risk management ro- um, regime, which will be... Uh, across all elements of, of risk management, not just on mobile plant and and equipment. Um, there's that. And another key thing as well is just with um, the schedules, uh, just make sure that the clients are keeping them well updated, that they are, um, that the values are reflective of the current market values. Uh, with some forms of specialised um, equipment, sometimes market value basis of settlement is not not really appropriate. So, some types of equipment might need an agreed value type um, basis of settlement built in there as well. So, which uh, is certainly an area we can help them with. Uh, so, that all this stuff comes out as part of the review that they'll go through with um, their clients, and then from there, whilst once they understand what the needs are, is then how you go about tailoring the insurance coverage to uh, uh, protect that. So a good example would be if um, if uh, if they may be operational, but they might be hiring out a component of their uh, uh, their fleet on a dry hire basis. They might be offering a damage waiver. You know, have they tailored the, the coverage to pick up that type of exposure? What about you, David? What's the the key takeaway? in this uh, infrastructure boom for our broker partners? I think Gary started touching on it. I think it's the the schedule inflation. You know, in recent times, I've I've spoken about it today, but what we've seen, we have seen a fair bit of appreciation in plant pricing, you know, due to the availability of items, due to the availability of the supply chain, whether we can or can't get these items into the country. And the people that have these items, those items appreciation has gone up, you know, 10, 20%. So when there is a claim, we've got to ensure that, that some insured noted on the policy reflects the item value now. Um, we are seeing a lot of um, renewal schedules coming through um, and, and, and basically 
they just they just turn over every year. Um, but with with this with this recent boom in infrastructure, we are seeing plants actual plant items actually appreciating. So we are seeing increases in values for market values on these items. So we just got to make sure that they're captured correctly. Um, I know our our policy wording does give uh, a twenty five percent appreciation clause as a benefit. Um, that, that is part of the policy wording. But if they start getting above that, you know, these guys are underinsuring their machine. So when it, when it does claim time, when it does come claims time, the word, the last thing I want as a, as a product manager is these guys to be underinsured. You know, they lose their equipment. They need that. They need that equipment, or they need a a, a market value to actually get them back up into the game without being too, you know, financially. Incurred. So it sounds to me like communication is the key between the customer, the broker and the insurer there, uh, making sure that everyone's communicating and, and working together. Yeah, precisely. The last thing well, the last thing we want is our is is the client or, or the policyholder you know, to to feel that he he's been done. You know what I mean? That, that, that's the last thing I, w- I want to hear. Well, thanks for joining me today, guys, uh, as we we talked all things infrastructure boom in Australia. Uh, Gary Woodhams and David Kidd, thanks for coming on NTI Spotlight. Thank you, Luke. And um, just remember, if you've got any insurance inquiries for mobile plant, we've got got specialists in each region to, um, to help you out. So NTI, that's what we're here for. Thanks, Luke. Very good. Thank you, Luke. Thanks again for listening to NTI Spotlight. For insurance brokers looking to generate a CPD certificate for this episode, please visit partner.nti.com.au forward slash infrastructure podcast. That URL again is partner.nti.com.au forward slash infrastructure podcast podcast is general only and does not take into account your objectives financial situation or needs you should obtain your own professional advice based on your personal circumstances our insurance is subject to limits and exclusions and when making decisions about our insurance consider the product disclosure statement and target market determinations available from nti.com.au NTI is not responsible or liable for your use or reliance on the information in this podcast.